Hello, listeners. What is the connective tissue between Cleveland Street and Cleveland, Ohio? And how do a couple of local kids hook up with a musician from Finland to create 45 minutes of magical musical mischief? And lastly, are we not men? These questions and more will be answered in this episode of Rob Levitt's Auditory Amphigory. Welcome to Episode 5 of Rob Levitt's Auditory Amphigory. This podcast is about the people living, working, and passing through Redmond, Washington. This is Redmond's original podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I'm going to announce big, big news. If listening to Auditory Amphigory through your browser is not your thing, then you'll like this. You can now listen and subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. The podcast is also available through these other fine services, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castro, CastBox, and Podchaser. Simply search for Auditory Amphigory or Rob Levitt to find it on your preferred service. In today's episode, we travel back to 1978. But we're not in Redmond, Washington. No, for this episode of Auditory Amphigory, we travel east, 2,000 miles to the east, across fields of grain and purple mountains majesty. We are in the Old Dominion, the mother of states and presidents, Virginia. The image that springs to mind for you may be that of an aging antebellum plantation, or a farmhouse framed by the gentle rolling hills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, or maybe even historic Williamsburg. If that's the case, let me steer your attention north. Past all of that pre-U.S. Revolutionary and Civil War history, today we're visiting Northern Virginia of the 20th century, a place known for its sprawling suburbs and traffic congestion. It's an area of the state that has no official southern border, but whose adjacency to Washington, D.C. inspires residents to explain to you the importance, with a capital I, of their homestead and separate it from the rest of the state by any means necessary. Simultaneously, Northern Virginia is not D.C., as they will also clearly state. If fences make good neighbors, then the low water mark of the southern shore of the Potomac River at least diffuses tensions in the region and allows residents to each enjoy a sense of superiority. Northern Virginia is where I grew up. Alexandria, actually. Okay, just outside Alexandria in Fairfax County, near Mount Vernon. Is it any wonder that I am comfortable with ambiguity? It was here in the home in which I was raised that my big brother's record collection introduced me to the rising tide of punk and new wave bands that would come to dominate the radio airwaves of the 1980s and come full circle to the 21st century as songs for today's oldie stations. As each vinyl disc was laid upon the turntable, my appreciation for music was challenged and expanded. Talking Heads' fear of music was both intriguing and confusing. The blend of competing melodies and strong percussion was cacophonous to my ears. It was a jumping off point for their Remain in Light album, and later became the mainstream with their ultra-popular speaking in tongues. My brother, fresh from LA, told me of an up-and-coming all-girl band that would soon be big, 
Their name was genius, infectious. I knew I would like them as soon as I heard the name, the Go-Go's. But it was one band in particular that captivated my attention. A band that would appear to many of my friends as a gimmick or just confusing. Heavy on the nerd factor, it would become my band. I'm talking about Devo. Are we not men? Their debut album, Q&A, had a disarming cover. A man dressed in 50s kitsch set on a bright yellow background. I later found out that the source image was famed golfer Chichi Rodriguez, but due to copyright concerns, was actually a pre-Photoshop blend of four U.S. presidents, JFK, Lyndon Johnson, Nixon, and Ford. The oddly glossy image felt like a setup. And is that a golf ball behind him? Nothing prepared me for the angry, raw songs that sprang forth. Edgy guitar licks, aggressive drumming, and a lead singer who's more of a wailer than a singer. I was hooked. To say that the band was on the fringe of standard pop tastes in the late 70s is an understatement, and I claim them as my own. They appeared on Saturday Night Live in yellow jumpsuits, the stage covered by large plastic sheets. This was way cooler and smarter than dressing in black and going goth. These guys looked like they were having fun, and at our expense. Are we not men? When they performed at the University of Maryland in 1981, my girlfriend bought us tickets as a birthday gift. As it happens with young love, she broke up with me on the way to the concert. But nothing could dampen my enthusiasm that night for seeing my heroes on stage. This was the new traditionalist tour. For years after the concert, I swore that it was the best concert I'd ever seen. We are Devo. Fast forward 30 years and I'm now living in Redmond. Red Hook Brewery is having a birthday celebration featuring the Tom Tom Club, the Psychedelic Furs, and yes, Devo. I wear my old power dome. We sing and dance the entire night while the boys from Akron whip us into a frenzy. The concert was a blast, and I expected that Devo would soon fade into the background of my musical memories. But it was not to be. Enter Jackson, son number one. I'm Jackson. My interest in Devo has come probably from my oh-so-great father, who's also into Devo. And such a good boy. Somehow that sort of conversion of interests from father to son. Which is why we find ourselves in Cleveland, Ohio. Jack and I are here in a rented rehearsal room at Rock and Roll City Studios. It's a converted factory that contains nearly 100 rehearsal rooms. As you walk up and down the hallways of the studio, the sounds of other musicians come and go. On this day, Devo dominates. We're not alone, though. There are two others with us on this day. I'm Michael. I'm from Redmond, Washington. I'm Tavi, the finest import from Finland. Okay, so that was Michael Miller, who met Jackson in middle school, and Tavi. Tavi wasn't kidding when he said he was from Finland. He and Jackson met through an online Devo fan forum. The boys have formed a band and have a big performance coming up, and we sat down to talk about it. To set the scene properly, we're all sitting on the ground of a black walled 10 by 12 rented space and surrounded by musical instruments. It is hot, Midwest hot. 
devotional is a yearly fan gathering. I wouldn't say it's a con it could be kind of considered a convention, but it's just a big fan gathering. Big fan gathering of Devo fans from all over that come to Ohio and they hang out and there's booths that sell Devo stuff and bands play Devo music and members from Devo show up. It's just this big Devo appreciation. Devo has a cult following, as many would say, and this is where the cult meets. <laughs> and the cult apparently comes from Finland, too. Well, no, I just found out about it. And nobody, I, I tried to show other people about it, but they don't, they don't like it, so... <laughs> Most of my time I've just been in my own room rehearsing a lot, so... Okay, so you've got three teenagers from opposite ends of the U.S. and Europe who are coming together in Cleveland to perform one concert. You have to wonder, why the attraction to an 80s new wave punk band? Jackson held me hostage with my eyes peeled like from a clockwork orange um, and showed me videos of Devo's live concerts until I liked it. <laughs> I used to be uh, heavily into grunge and then I heard Nirvana's cover of Turnaround. And then after that I found out about Devo and the Devo lifestyle seemed very appealing even though nobody else was doing it in Finland. Well, it was the music, it was, uh, it was different. Also the costumes, the performances were something that I don't see nowadays with bands. They don't run around with these big hot yellow radiation suits working their humps off on stage. It's very interesting their presence on stage. I really like it. I'd say their whole theory of de-evolution and that whole factor, I mean, I mean, they were kind of shoved off at first as kind of, I don't know, just sort of as jokers, I guess, at the beginning, just sort of like, you guys are crazy. And then it just sort of sewed, showed over time that, oh, hey, they kind of were right. As we see in modern times today, things are getting pretty bad. I wouldn't say that is necessarily something, that's not the key reason I like them, but I do think that's something they brought to the table that I think is pretty true. Here's my thing with the theme of Diva, is if you have like a normal musician who dedicates all their music to a theme, like Diva does, um, and they go up on stage and they all stay in the same spot, they're sitting in chairs and playing just one instrument, and they don't perform like Diva does, they're telling you a message and they're showing you the theme and expecting you to, to take it in and internalize it. Devo is the message. Devo, all of their shows are dedicated to this one idea of de-evolution, and that's what makes it so attractive to me. De-evolution. It was a term developed by co-founder Jerry Casale. He was at the Kent State protest in 1970 and witnessed the National Guard firing on protesters. From there, he put forth the idea that society was not moving forward. It was moving backwards, and people were embracing their baser instincts. You only have to look around to see examples of that every day. The thing that was created in the mid-70s is more relevant today. So here we are at Rock and Roll City Studios rehearsing for Devotional. The boys open the Saturday events, and they've got two days to rehearse. It's the first time Tavi has practiced with the band. Though you wouldn't know it, the boys fell into an easygoing way about them and started running through the set list from the get-go. The music was their bond. Well, that and their mutual intolerance of heat and humidity. Welcome to summertime in Ohio, guys. This is Devotional's 19th year. It's found a home at the Beachland Tavern and Ballroom, which holds about 500 people. 
We're going to talk more about that in a second, but before we do, let's get to the band's origin story. All bands have origin stories. For this one, Tavi has flown in for Helsinki for the event. It's the first time he's ever been face-to-face -face with Jackson and Michael. And, well, Jackson and Michael, they met in middle school. My name is Martha Damon, and I am a middle school English history and performing arts teacher. I teach at the school of at the Renaissance School of Art and Reasoning in the Lake Washington School District. Martha Damon was Jackson and Michael's middle school teacher. Michael started at Renaissance for sixth grade. Jackson joined for seventh grade. It's always interesting because um, we often get new students that come in second year or third year of a cycle. Um, but when when Jackson came into the classroom, it was like he was meant to be there. And then as soon as he and Michael had any time together, they were stuck. They were stuck together. They did everything together. It was it was great fun. And the the dynamic it was it was so much fun to watch the two of them start out their friendship and then just it was just like Michael and Jackson go together. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was great fun to see. So every year, uh, you put on a talent show. Yes, we do. And so the for Jack's uh, seventh grade performance, he played uh, electronic drum kit for Gorilla's Punk. Right. Which we had never mm -hmm. seen before. We had never seen him uh play just uh, music like that even though he's in our house and then he was <laughs> someone else on stage right and yeah. then the, yeah then he the, did the following year um jackson and michael and their friend peter uh put on another show do you remember that show i do but they 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 did a devo they did a devo song they devo song yeah yes. yeah 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 they did they did a devo song and uh they they learn how to play the instruments. Um, right, yeah. yeah. And they learn how to play the instruments for your talent show. So were it not for your talent show, <laughs> this performance in Cleveland may never have happened. Maybe. Yes, that is the... <laughs> they, they just needed the right environment and the right push and someone to say, sure, go for it. And... And they, because they had the impetus. They loved, they, <laughs> they huge. were so excited. They were so excited about it. It was the cutest thing in the world. And everybody at school thought it was great. So out of that friendship, Fight Milk is born. Wait, Fight Milk? Fight Milk is a reference to um, the TV show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where they mix milk and raw eggs and alcoholic beverages. Um, to it as fight milk. Why they called it fight milk? Not sure, but both of us seem to agree that it was a pretty, just sort of, it was both something that we understood and understood the reference, and it was something that we thought was. I think, I think there's two main reasons why we chose the name fight milk, and neither of them are good. The first reason was that it's really punchy, right? It's just a two word, two syllable name, fight milk. Um, so it's really easy to make a logo, it's really easy to just like yell it. Um, and second is the moment that we started genuinely considering it as an idea for a band name, because we were thinking of like, 
we want to make a band, what should the name be? Um, our mind went to the fact that because we have visuals, we would be able to make a skit where one of us crushes an egg into a bowl of milk. And that idea um, was so enticing that that really sold Fight Milk. Getting to a devotional. Now, uh, in our house, uh, uh, the first thing that we did, because we knew that we had to make this Jack's thing. Jack is the champion for this, and so we're going to let him be the champion. But we created a list of all the tasks that need to be done. Oh, the list. How, how did the initial list, the uh, the one on Google Sheets, how'd that work for you? Uh, Google Sheets? It didn't appear to be that productive. And then we went to an agile methodology, a scrum board. A physical. A physical board on the hall. In the hallway, uh, taking down some pictures, putting up a grid of tape, and uh, what, what happened from there? We had sticky notes of every task that needed to be done, who was to do it, what was the importancy, and we categorized it by week. Each week there was different tasks, and for each task it had a few phases. It had a to-do phase, which meant this is what has to be done, a doing phase, which is in the process of being done, verify meant what you thought might be the finished product has to be verified by someone, and the done phase is it's finished. So it was that for every single thing that we needed to do for devotional. It hurt. <laughs> How effective was it? Very, very effective. Did we learn anything along the way? Spud rings are hard. Spud rings are hard. Talk about that. Okay, spud rings. History of spud rings, costume piece worn by the band Devo in the 80s. The only person who knows how to make them, who knew how to make them, died in the 90s, and so they haven't been reproduced or remade ever since. Acquiring an actual one goes up for hundreds of dollars, we thought it would be an easy task to sort of make our own and as we saw through our very different methods and processes it's not really trickier than it looks yes it looks. <laughs> um, Seems like it. all right so uh, uh, what's next here we are we, we wrapped up uh, two days of rehearsals so what's next from here I think it's just anticipation of how the performance will go and you only have to wait, what, 24 hours? Yes. <laughs> oh. The show is in, uh, I think, no, it's not. It's in 3, it's in three, it three p.m. It's 11. That feels great. Well, three hours, actually. Three hours. But then in the morning, there's the sound check, too. So it's, yeah. The, the real anxiety starts in much less than 24 hours. So the, real, like, the real anxiety for me starts when Bob One walks in through the door. Of course. It's like, mm, it's, uh, oh, I'm leaving. No. <laughs> Fight no. What's that? That's a weird band. I Fight. should skip them. He's going to come here expecting for that drink. Honestly. He gets the reference. If Bob One understands the reference, I'm going to die a little. I'm going to cry. You're going to cry. So we got uh, well, opening nights tonight. At the Beachland Tavern. Yes. You almost played that. You almost played that. Uh, you're the opening act for Saturday. Which is the Beachland Ballroom. I'm so, I'm so glad that we get to play in the ballroom because it's such a bigger stage to run around. Have, a tavern would have hurt to play on. Yeah, would you, been, it would have been just as big as this rehearsal space. Uh, I'm also 12 years old, so they might not have let me <laughs> Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I'm also 12. All right, guys. Well, I think you're going to be awesome. Uh, break a leg, and let's pack up this gear and head on out. Leg broken.
So fast forward 24 hours. It's Saturday afternoon at the Beachland Ballroom. Sound check went off without a hitch and the background videos are set up to sync with the music. The crowds are gathering and the boys are ready for their show. So there's only one thing left to do. Sit back and enjoy the concert. amazing to have been teaching for as long as I have. I've, I'm starting my 22nd year teaching and to be teaching as long as I have and to start start to see my, my past students going out and doing amazing things in the community to continue art and expression and to bring happiness to people is just the biggest reward that I could ever expect to get it's just it's such an honor to work with these kids and and to see their talent um blossom and to to support them in that and for them to do it in such a you know tumultuous time of their lives when they're just they're just starting adolescence and going oh my gosh i don't know i don't know which end is up and i don't know how to navigate this and um to be there to support them is just it's it's the best thing I could ask for as a teacher. Well, and the best thing that I could ask for as a parent is to have a teacher who cares so much. So oh. th thank you for all you've done. Thanks you for the inspiration. And thank you for the time today on this interview. You are so welcome. It was a pleasure. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't give you no satisfaction. All right, we're back in Seattle. We're walking to the D terminal on our way to baggage claim. All right, boys, we're back from devotional. What'd you think? I thought it was pretty good. It was all right. It was okay. That's very understated. I'd say I say it's more than all right. It's whatever, a little more than all right. Whatever Michael said was a lie. I'm a liar. That's <laughs> true. 
All right, so <laughs> what, what worked for you on this trip? What, what went well? Uh, the organization, the planning, that definitely went well. The performance, that's, I mean, number one. It was well, I mean, incredible. Yeah. Everything went off almost without a hitch entirely. Everybody loved it. The reaction was, was amazingly positive from everyone. Very supportive group. All right. So, thinking ahead to the next time, what will you do differently? Not the same thing. We don't actually know. We don't have any confirmed plans for next time, but we have lots of processing thoughts and ideas that will be in the works for the next year. And an early invitation based upon the casual conversations after performance. Exactly. That's huge. Yeah. Massive. Well, congratulations. Nice job, boys. Thank you. Let's get home and get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Great job on the show, boys, and thank you to the devotional organizers for including Fight Milk in this year's event. I want to especially call out Michael Pilmer, Nick Ciasulo, Devo Maddox, and Phil from the Gothies for letting us use his keyboard stand. Duty now for the future. And thank you, listeners, for checking in to another episode of Auditory Infogory. There are more episodes in the works, and I would love to hear from you. Send your feedback and story ideas to me at auditoryamphigory.com. That's the email address, me at auditoryamphigory.com. If you want to join the Spud Army, go to devo-obsesso.com. That's devo-obsesso.com. Until next time, this is Rob Levitt signing off. Rob Levitt's Auditory Infigory is a production of me, Rob Levitt. All files and their use are mine, except for the music of Devo. The theme music for Rob Levitt's Auditory Infigory was written, produced, and performed by Jackson Levitt. You can check out all of his creative work at jacklevitt.com. Musical credit also goes to purpleplanet.com for these songs, Mass Mania, Sierra Nevada, and Raw. This is Rob Levitt's Auditory Amphigory. <laughs>